going to try more. But anyway, so I've had this in the back of my mind since lockdown to do something like this. And I've been kind of teetering with, I got to get Ryan back on. I got to get Ryan back on. Well, getting Ryan on means it has to either be happy or we have to rip something. Well, we don't really talk about MLS outside of Seattle. Ryan doesn't there really. Any, any other team to talk about other than yeah. Seattle? Well, <laughs> there's a lot more, but I, I won't argue. I won't argue with the fan of the year of what four years ago at this. Point. 2017. Yep, I'm looking right at the sign. It's in my other room. Nice. <laughs> and I think well, there's well, I can't really have Ryan on to talk about the U.S. men's national team, so that. We're not an NFL. We're not an NFL um, podcast, so we can't talk about garbage NFL teams from Texas. Even though he's, he lives in Chicago, but that's that's neither here nor there. Oh, we can Got talk it. about it. I will completely agree that oh. the Cowboys and Jerry Jones are garbage. Yeah, I would. I would agree with that too. And I love. I used to yeah. be the biggest Cowboys fan in the world until Jerry Jones bought him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Since we're talking about shit owners and <laughs> shit owners and anybody has known for the length of time, because God, I think Ryan's one of the first people I had on back in 2012. Wow, that's a, that's saying a lot because a lot's changed. Well, that's I mean, you can throw out two names: Mike Ashley and Andrew Hoffman, and somehow, some way, there were points <laughs> in time when I came on your podcast thinking. God, 50 years from now, somehow they'll still own the team and both now have sold, which is crazy. But, uh, you know, I mean, I would take a this sounds bad, but like a 60 win Cubs team, which I've seen my share of way before Andrew Hoffman, who, you know, didn't care about the fire and completely destroyed the club, basically. And Mike Ashley did the same. So, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. uh, so, so and rightfully so, so. So as you were saying that, I mean, as every time I would see oh, Newcastle take over on Twitter, I didn't text you going, "All right, this is full of shit." Now during the um, lockdown, I bought myself a Newcastle jersey because I'm like, "Okay, this one's going through. I can have one." And I, I'll be honest, during the lockdown, I bought way too many jerseys, which. <laughs> As Duffy's probably laughing when it was only about 20. He probably averages that in a year. Actually, I've been really good lately. So, uh, I you know. I heard your favorite, Stephen, would be from a little bird. I can't say who, but uh, Freddie Adu. You thought he was the next uh, uh, next goat. Is that true? <laughs> oh, I keep forgetting he's still old enough to be still playing that's one of yeah, those you oh pops up every so often he's like, like oh he might yeah. he might just be in his early 30s you know yeah uh, yeah because i think people started talking about him like what, what when he's 10 or 12 yeah yeah you know he signed a for you know uh salt lake uh, since broke that record they signed a kid and he played uh saturday 13 jesus yeah <laughs> Well, you're you're in Chicago now. You get, hurry, get Jacob to sign with the um with the fire. Just a, 
have them run out as one, as like for like one minute, break the record, and throw them back out. I mean, yeah, he's fast enough, and he's got oh. your athletic ability. So, but Ooh. in any <laughs> in any conceivable <laughs> manner, did you think by the time you had two kids living in Chicago that you would see the day that you would actually not you'd actually want to watch Newcastle and not groan? Uh, no, I didn't actually. It's uh, been a pretty sparse uh, time since I started following them, which would be the 2010. By the way, on the record, because I know what's going to happen like Man City fans, 2010, 2011 is when I really delved in when Andy Carroll was kind of popping. And, uh, you know, we had uh, Joey Barton, of course. Um, the famous four zero comeback to tie Arsenal. Uh, 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 I mean, yeah, it was amazing. Usually mostly shit. We had the year, you know, got into the European League under Alan Pardew, and somehow, some way, he navigated uh, a squad to that. That would be like putting a blindfold on and putting someone on uh, uh, the streets of Monaco for a race and like, hey, don't hit the walls, but somehow Pardew did it. And, uh, yeah, and didn't yeah. he navigate himself into like a seven-year contract out of that? He did, <laughs> and obviously after a couple of years it was gone, and, yeah. um, you know, he was gone. But, yeah, it, oh, God, I just, yeah, <laughs> never thought I'd at see le- the day. At least I- it's not like the Stephen, Stephen Young USFL contract, the league's gone, and he's still getting paid by the holding company that has the money for it. Yep, that's funny. He hasn't been, he hasn't played in damn near fifteen years. If you think that's crazy, and you may know, either of you or both of you may know this, look up Bobby Bonilla, his contract. The oh. dude's still making like a million a year through like two thousand thirty-two, and uh, God, he hasn't played since i don't know when maybe the <laughs> the uh clinton administration yeah that, oh. that's probably about right because uh i'm trying to think when he was big i think that's when we, in kevin mitchell and i was i was young so i mean not that i'm old now uh i'm, I'm, I'm not old now just because i'm a freak of nature but then i was legitimately young like in my 20s <laughs> and i think he was playing so you know oh yeah kevin and mitchell God, uh the eternal catch barehanded, I want to say, was 88 or 89. Uh, but, yeah, Bonilla, man. I mean, sign me up for that gig. Yeah, because Mitchell had that great season. The Mariners signed him, and we're all excited. Oh, yeah, Kevin. And then he was not good. <laughs> yeah. Back then, the Mariners, one. where baseball players went to die. Here's another one that's going to make you even feel even scarier. Brett Saberhagen's still getting paid. Really? Yup. At least he earned his money, though. He's got to be, what, mid to late 50s, if not pushing 60? Todd Helton's still getting paid from the um, Rockies. I wish I would have had one of those gigs. I could be getting paid to uh, not have to go to work every morning. Sign me up. (laughs) Ricky still draws a contract from the Reds. Yeah, that was. I don't know if they do that so much now, but back in the '80s and stuff, deferred deferred salary was the way to go. And you know, one thing because they were like, "Oh yeah, we we can save all this money now," but you know, it's kind of like using a credit card. You know, oh yeah, I can get all this cool stuff now, 
but you got to pay it eventually, you know. So, yeah, it's, the free uh, salaries, the, the pro sports credit card. <laughs> yes, think of uh, the college days, and maybe it's different now, but you know, early or well, late nineties, early two thousands. You know, you college kid don't have a ton of money. You sign up for classes first day. Hey, sign up for this credit card. You get a free T-shirt. Awesome, yeah. man! I want a T-shirt. <laughs> and like, oh, that's not good for the credit score. Yeah, God, I did so many of those even when I was older. <laughs> but hey, I need I need this bucket hat to get that. You know, get a Washington State uh, <laughs> Visa card and get this bucket hat. And I'm thinking to my and then my credit was crap. I said, well, I'm not going to get approved anyway, and I want the bucket hat. So nice. You know. Yeah, nice. I still have that somewhere. Uh, there you go. It's in a box in my up in, out in the garage where I have all the miscellaneous hats. Posterity. Yeah. Yeah. So as we're getting as we're getting back to that, obviously Alan Pardue was, I think, long been fired two or three more times after that. Yeah. But now, when we were in the pre-show before you jumped on, obviously the head the head honcho of this is. Andrea Snavely or Snavely? Now, she's not Saudi Arabia. No. So, basically, the breakdown, she is English, and she's actually been after this for four years. I remember uh, before the <clears throat> this deal came into place, there was a group. It was like BZG, Middle Eastern group, and ended up falling through. And so basically her and her husband have a 10% share. And then uh, the Rubin brothers, uh, Jamie, I think is one of the key personnel. And so they're local Newcastle. So their part of it, I think is helping develop and using the investment to develop around Newcastle and local, uh, just helping build up the town locally because there's, you know, going to be a lot of money coming in. So, uh, Stavely's camp has 10% and I think she might have also been in years ago on, it was one of the other, uh, top six clubs trying to broker a sale. Maybe it was Liverpool. I don't know, Steven, you might know, but, uh, so 80% is the PI is the public investment fund of Saudi Arabia. And, you know, that's kind of where the sticking point is. Obviously there are human rights concerns and um so that's a concern now you know not to not to interrupt you but human rights sure. concerns are now a concern because the saudi owners but uh man city you know that that's never been a concern before uh clunky with clunky with with not arsenal that, he, yeah he's i'm not even what? saying that that's not a legitimate concern i'm just saying now it's a concern because before they they didn't care you know you have money, right. great. Come on down, spend it here. You know. Yep. Yep. Right. And, and, and you know, I think so many people are looking at this like, hey, it has to be has to be mutually exclusive. Like, oh, if you're a Newcastle fan and you like to take over, then you support the regime and some of the things they did. And it's like, no, you can still have issues with that, but still support your club. I mean, don't forget yeah. Newcastle pick our owner and. Um, it's you're right. I mean, other clubs have ties as well, and um, it's maybe not the most perfect thing giving or given 
some of the history there, but I will yeah. tell you a majority of Newcastle fans acknowledge that and they're not saying, Hey, great. You know, we don't yeah. care. It's like, we are concerned with that. Can't pick the owner, but you know what? We are also happy that someone is buying the club that will pay yeah. attention to it too. Still and that's essentially where it's team. at. Yeah. And let's be honest. There's been a, there's been a history of dodgy owners Throughout the history of English football, this is nothing new. This is nothing new to the 21st century. That's been going on forever in England. So, yeah. True, true. It's just money has gotten to the point where it's so crazy that, you know, it's, it's, I mean, the play, just the amount needed to invest, even be competitive, is crazy. Uh, And so you have these clubs that are established and, you know, again, on this call that supposedly happened where, you know, and I've seen so many headlines, 19 other clubs are on this call. Newcastle is not invited. Well, duh. I mean, you're not going to invite them to a call where everyone else is shit talking you, basically. <laughs> and what are they going to do? Reverse yeah. the sale and give the shares and money back to Mike Ashley? No, they're not going to do that. And, you know, that's the biggest thing is um, you just... <sighs> Ah, there, there are so many moving parts to it, but you know, yeah. I can see why the top six would be pissed because they had a very safe position, a very lofty position, and again, wanted to leave the league, got to come back without any repercussions, and they don't want to lose that. But at the same time, it's much like the <clears throat> retail industry or business world, if you will. You know, typically competition brings out. Um, you know, a better product. Right. And again, you know, say, say Newcastle gets up into, uh, into that echelon. It's not saying, okay, well, your average, you know, team that's going to be in the 17th, 18th, 19th, 20th position will, but it's just yeah. nice to have a shakeup for me. You know, since I followed the Premier League, you have the same clubs over and over and over competing. And, you know, it was refreshing for Leicester, but again, yeah. at the same time, you're not going to have a, you know, typically Swansea or Stoke City or, yeah. you know, West Ham that's just going to go on a run in the Champions League. So, right. And if any fan base in England deserves a team that has a chance to now compete with the big boys, it's Newcastle because they have always shown up in droves. Even when they couldn't stand the owner, they still went. And still gave him money because they wanted to support the team. You know, uh, maybe the 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 England's most uh, long-suffering fan base, and they have just they have stayed stayed loyal. Uh, when every reason to say, you know what, uh, we'll just let's go watch. You know, the Newcastle Falcons play rugby. <laughs> <laughs> nice. You know, yeah. But um. And, yeah, and, you they... know, that's why I was drawn to Newcastle originally when I'm like, okay, you know, watch some Premier League games. <clears throat> and one of my great buddies watches every week and has, and like, okay, man, who are you going to support? And yeah. I just felt like, and again, it's a masochism thing or self-masochism. Like, okay, I knew after doing a bit of research, Newcastle was like the Cubs where normally you're really shit, but the fans still show up for better or worse. Like, yeah, there'll be people that say, well, just don't show up and that'll send a message. Well, you're never going to have an entire stadium, not show up for an entire season and hit the owner's pockets enough to change their, 
change their ways. And so I'm like, okay, so you have a team that's normally not very good, diehard fan support. And okay, well, you know, I've grown up being a Cubs fan. So <clears throat> that kind of drew me in. It's like, okay, I know it's not going to be necessarily fun, but the thing is, yes, I know they're in the Northeast. So we're way above London and a lot of people will say, well, players won't go there because it's not fun living there. And, it's too remote. Well, if you pay someone enough, they will. And yeah. um, that's that's the biggest thing is, you know, talking about location. And if you think back to the 90s, before I was able to obviously follow Newcastle easily, the entertainers, like the support is there. We're in the championship selling out the stadium. 52,000 yeah. people, no problem. And, you know, at some point, I'm sure we will expand uh, St. James Park, but like the the support is there, and you yeah. know whether people get caught up in small club versus big club and this and that, but you know I really think there's an international following, and it I, I view it as untapped. Think like mm-hmm. an oil well, if you have the right caretaker, it can explode, and yeah. we haven't had the right caretaker. I mean, look, again, go back to the entertainers, and Stephen and I have talked about that. You know, it was only a couple of years and we flirted with a title for the one year and, you know, faded down the stretch. But yeah. just that energy and that hope, I mean, the the fan base is there and the support yeah. is there. And obviously the new owners global network to to put that out there. So I you know, it's it we're a big club. It's just we've yeah. never had. Think of it like a garden. We've never had anyone to tend the garden, at least in recent yeah. times. And if you do, it can turn into something really big. You're a Premier League club with like a League Two owner. You know, nothing against League yeah. Two, but their 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 thought process is a lot different. You know, they're thinking Correct. about survival. You know, uh, and or, and Ashley, I think at the end of the day, I mean, and fair enough, you know, I don't think you should get into owning a sports team. If you, you know, I don't want to spend my own money. You yeah. know, I want to, I want to, and I get it. I hear Sounders owners talk all the time. We want to run a sustainable business and we want to use smart business practices and they do yet. They never not sign somebody if they think it's going to make their team better, you know, uh, and granted they're not signing guys for 2,000 pounds, 200,000 pounds a week, but we have some big salaried players. So, you know, but, um, and, and the thing is, if you say, well, send a message to the owner, the only person who suffers is you because you don't go to the game and you're missing out. I mean, I haven't been to many games this year just because of the whole COVID, uh, you know, restrictions and the thought, the idea that do I want to go and hang around a bunch of people wearing a mask or do I just want to stay home watching on TV? And I wrestle with that all season. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't mind wearing it, and take, but I like to be able to take it off when I get to my place because I have to wear a mask when I'm at work. So it's like, come on, man. I don't want to wear it at the seat the whole time. But that's the mandate. So, you know, what are you going to do? That's local ordinance. So, yeah. Yep, yep. And, you know, that's the thing with Mike Ashley buying the club. And I get it. Like, you don't want to be an owner as a fanboy either and like just no. sink, you know, money and do stupid decisions. But he no. treated it like his other businesses, like Sports Direct. It's only yeah. about the bottom line. And, you know, I get it. We've turned profits, actually. And, 
he's a shrewd business businessman, yes, but he completely alienated the fan base. Basically, all the joy and all the people I follow in Newcastle that literally a lot of them have been lifelong fans, the joy was sucked out of the club. They talk about, you know, I remember when I was a kid going with my dad and growing up and there was actual passion and um, there was you just wanted to win there was ambition and then you take that away and great it's for the bottom line what does that give the fans fighting for 17th every year just so we can you know stave off relegation the last couple fixtures of the season and and, you know and that's the epitome of Mike Ashley and then he essentially used St. James Park and surrounding areas as free advertising for Sports Direct, which will come down soon. But, you know, that's what he cared about. And that's what happens when you have a pure businessman by a club. And he's not the first. He won't be the last. But uh, they just have no grip on the passion of supporters. And, you know, again, I get it. They don't, you know, he's not going to care about me and how much I follow the club. But, yeah. Hey, okay, you got 17th, or you could invest a little more and say 10th, and you're going to make more money. And he just, you know, he didn't understand that. And he made a rash decision and was tied into it. And fortunately, now is, uh, is no longer. But yeah, it was just, it was, it was tough. Yeah, because you got to look the big picture. Yeah, we make, we, we, we make some in capital investment now. Yeah, so this bottom line is going to look a little. Oh, we're going to lose a little bit of money. But you, you, you know, down the road, hey, now we're going to make all this. We're making exponentially more because you know you made this that investment back then. But you know, a lot of yeah. people they're all worried about now. It's kind of like when you're investing and the market kind of goes down, and you, uh, and your portfolio drops. But if you keep investing, and when it comes back, because the market always comes back at some point. Uh, yeah. You've you've made so much more money because you were able to buy when things were cheap. You know, exactly. that's a gross oversimplification, but you know, uh, you know. But yeah, I mean, it's not like Newcastle spending an extra, you know, and getting an extra striker or or a midfielder is going to put him uh, in administration. So you know, <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Um... There is a rumor, which I believe Stephen and I talked about um, or texted about where Mike Ashley is uh, interested in taking over Darby County. And yeah, it's like, yeah, I'm like, oh, woe to them, which right now they're in such dire straits. Like, oh, God, yes, save us. But I guarantee you, because Newcastle, I think, got it wasn't that bad. But when, uh, you know, when the club was sold to Mike Ashley. Like, okay, yeah. great. And at first he's like, yeah, I'm wearing the kid. I'm drinking with fans. And then like, Oh, this guy's kind of an asshole. And, <laughs> um, and then, you know, fans turned against him and yeah. he turned that into a vendetta. And at that point it was just pure bottom line and business. And so it's like, that must be a Northeast thing. Cause Sunderland had a, ironically the same kind of deal with their, I think their owner in the beginning, you know, uh, and then they just went down and down yeah. and down, you know. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, it, it was it was crazy, and oh man, I'm glad the uh, Mike Ashley ride is over. And you know, if we would have had a proper director of football, 
in place. Okay, but we have Lee Charnley, who's essentially a glorified accountant. That's a buddy of Mike Ashley. He has nothing about, you know, football talent or scouting. He's just sitting there basically writing the checks and does nothing. And then we had uh, Graham Carr, I believe, the uh, chief scout, who did help uncover some talent. And then he went, and it's like, okay, what are you doing? You have no structure. You have a manager, and that's it. You have no one above him trying to build something. And so, you know, right now, everyone, every single agent is linking people to us because, hey, you know, someone is rich and has money now. And, you know, we have uh, Ralph Rangnick, who would be amazing. I would love as like a director of football, but apparently he wants to be manager. And then I saw uh, um, Lucian Favre who could be manager and then Brendan Rogers. And there's just so much smoke and mirrors. And yeah, you know, I read there are a lot of new that Rogers brands. says he's staying put, but that could always be a negotiating, you know, uh, complete and utter bullshit with him because he ran out. Uh, he ran out on Celtic when he yeah. could have gotten trouble out of there. Yeah. More no, I agree, but I think that's I probably swear. negotiating. I'm not interested in leaving. You know, that which yeah. means you haven't paid me enough money. You're not offering me enough money. <laughs> exactly. Here's yeah. what you do. Here's what you do. You go and get, you go to you go to Jose Mourinho and you go get his assistant right now. He's like 32 years old. This Jao Sacramento, and he's supposed to be the next Mourinho as far as being able to rise that fast. So you get someone that knows what they're doing, yeah. Or you, or you go wander into Germany. You try to figure out who's the next class. There. Mm-hmm. Well, because that... the, 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 that's the problem is Bayern jumped everybody and brought Nagelsmann. In. So you're not going to be able to pop get Nagelsmann out of there because he's going to be winning trophies mm-hmm. without climbing. Hans Flick came in as an interim and won everything. He won so much that they made him the German national team manager. So at this point, you've got to find that next young one. Cause... You don't think Steve Bruce yeah. is the man for the future? Oh, God. Oh, Steve Bruce wasn't the man fire. for the future 20 years ago. <laughs> he, he actually has, the. if you go over like 40 or 50 games, the worst Premier League uh, record in history. And... <clears throat> That's why, you know, I'm kind of hoping for the Rangnick uh, appointment because he helped build a lot of that Red Bull and Leipzig and basically German connections and scouting yeah. network. And, like, for me, okay, Steve Bruce needs to go, but even with the January window, I don't think any big, big, big coach wants to come into, uh, until they see what we do in January. I mean, they know, right. they know we're going to be serious, so – Graham Jones would be a fine caretaker. Get rid of Bruce. Let him take the club on uh, as interim, at least till the end of the campaign. And we're going to spend in January and hopefully, obviously, spend more than Mike Ashley to, to stay up. And then, then you go get your big manager. So I think we need imminently to get a director of football in and let him start making plans and then also give them control because, you know, Rafa, 
Benitez is that's the one thing he fought for is like, hey, give me control. And obviously he did good things with us. He was universally loved and was fought by management just because and the owner like, well, you can't spend this. You can't spend that. And it's like bring a director of football in and then, you know, let them help make the coach or the manager decision and then let them do their thing. Here you go. Here's the money. Spend it smartly. I, yeah, I never understood why they they had a gem in Benitez. He loved it there. The people loved him. He, he you know, he was quite he was quite happy to mm-hmm. just we're going to make Newcastle work cuz I'm just going to do it, you know. And I don't think he was asking for the moon. I think he was asking for, you know, it wasn't like I want, you know, I don't think his demands are outrageous. I mean, I, I'm not, I have no information to say that otherwise, but I didn't, I didn't get that impression that his demands were outrageous. He just like, I, this is what I need, you know. Uh, yeah, you know, you no, want, I have. You I was going to say that to 100, yep, yeah, go 100%, ahead. 100% universally loved. He was awesome. He, again, in a very grim and dire time, brought a bit of hope and joy to supporters. Like, hey, we have this guy. He actually acknowledges a fan base. Look at every comment that Steve Bruce has. It's, oh, I'm being picked on, and they're so harsh on me. Well, what the fuck do you expect? Pardon the French. (laughs) When we haven't won anything since the 60s, and that was the Fires Cup. So, you know, you want to go back to major trophies. Like, what do you expect? You can't give people mediocrity and just be very passive and blasé about owning a club and managing a club and making them successful and then wonder why supporters are upset. You know, we want ambition and it's been a long running theme of we don't have to win the Champions League every year. We just want a team that tries and far too often it doesn't feel like that. That's right. the main theme. Well, well if here, there's here's a reason. three options. There's three options I just randomly thought of to bring in. For the end of the year, and I don't know if you can pry him away again to do this, is if you can put some money behind him, bring Alan Shearer in one last time to keep that team up, to get a new spirit in. I'm sure he's got enough behind him where you, you bring someone that actually knows tactics and stuff. Let's hear take the team until the end, keep them off, get the good steer in, and have that walk. Number two, wild thought here is Everton does not like Benitez right now, because obviously he's a Liverpool legend. I could see that thing going tits up so fast. And Benita's going, yeah, fuck this. Because, yeah. I mean, you remember, Kit, Rob has walked out on some teams before. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he basically, he walked out on Inter before um, Jose Mourinho got in there and did, the, I think, everything. I would wait to see. And then if they've got enough money to throw Benitez, go and say, hey, listen, you, you wanted the success. Come in. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. Here's the third one, and I doubt this will happen. Is you go and get Pep Guardiola's number two. Go get Lilo out of Man City. He's the guy that made Pep Guardiola who he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, tra- he, 
he coached all over um, Mexico in Italy, and if he's the one that made Pep Guardiola. Now, he's an older man by this point. I mean, I think Lilo is 60, but at the same point, Benitez is, Rafa Benitez is not a young man by any stretch of imagination anymore, but true, you get someone with some progressive thought in there, but that to get them really moving, because you're not going to be able to pull a Barcelona-type system in in Newcastle. You're not going to be able to pull that TV type of crap in. Um, well, I don't think Barcelona can pull off a Barcelona system yeah. anymore. <laughs> True. They don't True. have the damn money. They don't have the damn money no more. Yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, that's why I'm a fan of, I think Graham Jones can handle it till the end of uh, yeah. end of the campaign. And then do the research. And that's a big thing. Literally, last week, Monday, it was, okay, we're going to have the CAT tribunal in January. Let's hope for the best. And then there was a poll for the local Newcastle contacts and newspapers I follow. Like, who, you know, how many people want Steve Bruce out? Which is kind of a ridiculous poll because most will. And that's what they were talking about. And suddenly Tuesday... Uh, it kicks up, oh, wow, suddenly there's this huge movement. And, like, literally through this whole process, we got thought we got close, and then it backed off. And it got to the point where, like, don't tell us there's hope, basically. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, we've heard this before. We've heard this for years. Okay, yeah, right. And then suddenly on Wednesday, like, oh, oh, this, this could happen. And then finally it did yeah. happen. So that's the other thing. It's like, you know, I... <laughs> from who I follow already, it's like these owners actually have a process. It's not knee jerk or it's not Steve Bruce sucks. We're just going to keep him because we're cheap. It's like, they have right. a process like settle down. We'll get there. It's not going to happen overnight. And, and th- these guys might have already an idea who they want. You know, this, you got to think this owner when they're, you know, yeah, we're working on the takeover, but he's also probably talking to other people say, hey, if this goes through, this is kind of what I'm looking for. Would you be interested? So he's probably already got, I mean, I, I, I don't know, but he could, he probably already has a list of people he wants, maybe as director of football, as a manager or whatever, you know, he's probably already got people in mind, uh, which yep. I think would, you know, like you said, probably not for this year because it would be rough to kind of um, come come in middle of midstream, you know, just kind of like you say, we'll just stabilize. Because I think now with the the fans of Newcastle are just going to be so happy. You show that, yeah, we have a plan. This is what we're going to try to implement it. But we're going to have to we're going to wait until, you know, it's a proper time, whatever you, you can use, whatever words you want. Uh, I think they're going to be on board just because now the looks like the sun's going to come up tomorrow where it's been, you know, the coal mining in the northeast has had that fog over the St. Andrews or, or it's not St. Andrews. That's Birmingham. St. James's Park for 14 years. Now the sun's finally coming up. So, yeah. Uh, and and I think Steve Bruce is a good manager, but more for like lower levels because that guy is all you know why does he always get jobs because he's always available because he always is getting fired <laughs> and he's you think of how many managers or uh, former um fergie players that became managers that aren't not great it's a lot of them you know 
you know, yeah. Bruce, he's not great. Mark Hughes, he's not great. You know, but maybe the best one that comes to mind, and he's always is Solskjaer. You know. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, yep. And you know that's a good point. Um, just like any manager or coach in professional sports, the uh, the most successful, like what gets them to that point. And honestly, yes, there's a good portion of it being them, but the support staff, and that's something yeah. we've never had. And yeah, it's just like, take it slow, focus on staying up, which obviously if we spend and sign the right players, we will, and then put the yeah. pieces in place. And, you know, some people are trying to get ahead of themselves and it's like for, you know, since under the Ashley era, we've sucked. We've had no hope, no ambition. And I get the sale suddenly is like, you know, spend it all and win it all this year. And it's not yeah. going to happen. Put the process in place, let it work. And then three or four or five years when we're on the same podcast, like, okay, it's paid off. That's how I look at it. Yeah. No, I think that you got to take a long-term approach. So, um, you know, how many teams uh, get a lot of garbage you guys have had since, since the um, great, since Bobby Robson has come in, I'm I'm just looking at this: Carver, Sonus, Rotor, Kinnear, three times. Sam Allardyce, Kinnear, he mm-hmm. comes back. Chris Houghton <laughs> twice. Kinnear, yeah. Alan Pardew, McLaren, who I've never gotten a contact guy. <laughs> I mean, good Lord. Yeah. I mean, there's not one there. I mean, even if you go back before Bobby Robson, Stephen Clark was there as a caretaker. Rude Hula is vastly overrated. Mm-hmm. Danny yeah, Dagley, by, by the time you get him, is a beaten man and is not the same manager that um, left, that left, that, that took think... over Liverpool. Yeah. I think the galaxy ruined Rude Hulett ever managing again. <laughs> yes. Thank God. Because <laughs> he uh, – I, I, don't, I, I don't know what the gal- – I mean, Alexi Lawless I love because he's fun to listen to because he's always stirring the pot. But, man, he was not – he was a horrible GM. Uh, what were you thinking? Rude Hulett, you know, I don't like these players. I want all new players, too. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> these are your players. You got to make them better. Uh, you know. That's why, I mean, it's starting to change now because the money's gotten a little better. But foreign managers struggled mightily in Major League Soccer, just trying to wait, just trying to figure out uh, Gam and Tam and you know all the crazy rules. I mean, uh, if if Major League Soccer was a board game, you you couldn't you would never figure out how to play it because you could never get through the instructions. It's like. Uh, you want to play this game? Yeah, sure. Let's read the instructions. And by the, you know, it's like six. Like right now, it's five fifteen my time. Uh, and you, you're done with the instructions, and now it's ten o'clock. You say, "Well, now I just want to go to bed because you know, screw it." But you know, it's such a complicated uh, league. Oh shit! Sorry, it looks like. Oh no, maybe not. Uh, sorry, I'm watching the USA Costa Rica game, and they. Uh, thank God for speed. Because Brian Reese doesn't have speed anymore, and he was on a breakaway, and uh, Miles—I think it was Miles Robinson—they ran him down. So yes, uh, I also yeah. have this on. By the way, I'm not a big Burhalter fan. Uh, I just man doesn't have what it takes. I don't. Uh, think. 
I don't know. I my take on on the national team. You know, I listened to all the. You know, things have changed so much. And I'm like, no, they haven't changed at all, really. You think about it, we started this window in second place. And two out of the three games in, yeah, they played horribly against Panama. It was a horrible game. Uh, They're still in second place. So, you know, whether he's the the man going forward, I don't know. Uh, I I just think he's he's better than Klinsman because who was Klinsman did more damage to the national team than any manager, you know, he was, you know, he was horrible. He, he, you know, he took the bullies of CONCACAF and made it so we couldn't even beat CONCACAF teams, you know, because yeah, I want to yeah, beat, definitely. I want to beat Belgium and Barcelona and Brazil and said, yeah, we want to beat those guys too. And it would be cool, but you have to beat the Jamaicas and the Costa Ricas and the Panamas. It's not sexy. You have to beat Honduras. You have to be able to go to Honduras and win, you know, because that's, your region, you know, you have to go play in those horrible stadiums with the crazy fans that have been there for 12 hours before kickoff. Uh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agreed. It's, you know, a means to an end in a very young team, but uh, after some of the aging of the core, you know, classic yeah. uh, U.S. players and it, obviously you have, uh, a few people taking the place as a placeholder, but like yeah. Christian Pulisic and um, okay, great. But it's, it doesn't stack like all of the quote unquote legends right. of USM, USMNT did, but you know, again, what can you do? Just let, well, them, this team, let them grow I think, and hopefully they will, uh, hopefully they'll I think, mature and yeah, I think this is going to be a roller coaster this whole window or this whole qualification because they are so young. So they're going to have games where they look like they could beat, you know, uh, the greatest assembled team of all time, and they would take them to they take them to the woodshed. And then there's going to be another game where they could be playing the JV team at my old high school, and <laughs> they would lose because that they're young and that's just, they're just that up and down, you know. Yeah. Um. And it can, people forget this is uh, Berhalter's first go around in as a coach for qualifying, so he's learning on the job too. Um, you know, I don't really. I like him. I thought he was good at at Columbus. I I don't have any reason to you know to think he's not going to get him qualified. Uh, you know, because I know the the panic because of what happened. Uh, last cycle and i blame a lot of that on on bruce arena too because he went into that gold cup knowing we have to qualify for the world cup and he says i'm going to win this gold cup because i want to win something and we did but our guys were gassed you know Mm -hmm. um who cares i mean yeah it's cool to win i mean this gold cup when we put put in the second stringers and they won that was so much fun to watch but you know yeah yeah but uh that that lose it that not qualifying for the World Cup just came up in my Facebook memories again in like the last couple of days. And I was just like, Oh God, I forgot about that. Yeah. Oh holy Lord. Because that was like the same week I had been I got promoted at work and everybody was just figuring out that I was the soccer fan. I'm like, oh Lord, here we go. Yeah. This is gonna be fun. Wow. Yeah, no, it was horrible. Um, 
still, though, if there's anything positive that came out of that, it was that epic Taylor Twelman rant on yeah. ESPN. <laughs> I loved that was one of my favorite rants because he just went off. You know, uh, it was so much fun. And I remember watching that whole cycle, you know, and Lexi Lawless. Oh, you know, they're going to qualify. No problem. And to be honest, I was in a panic after the first two games. I went, we're in trouble here, you know, because they looked horrible. They, you know, uh, and we still had six games. We we were at the very beginning of the cycle. And I went, oh, God, we're in trouble. And they never stopped looking like they were always just a a dumpster fire waiting to get ignited. Uh, even when they'd win, they had a big game. They beat Honduras, I think, four nothing, and then got smoked by Costa Rica. Uh, you know, who beat us both places. And in that Costa Rica game in Costa Rica, I mean, granted, we don't play well there, but that was one of the worst games I'd ever seen. You know, you know, a little national team trivia: we have not lost in Mexico uh, in our last three matches. You know, ever since we won, we have not lost since. You know. Because we had never won there. We'd, I think we'd had two draws in our whole time going to uh, Azteca. And then they won the gold in the Olympics. And they had that friendly at Azteca to celebrate. And then, of course, they bring in the USA to play. And they're all excited. And I thought, that's the worst thing you could ever do. Because we won. And now you you broke the seal on this. We can't win in this stadium. And we haven't lost since. We haven't won since. We've gotten two draws. But we hadn't lost since, you know. And, uh, you know, because their, their mystique, their in, invincibility in Azteca was shattered. You know, they're still good, but, you know, now we, we don't go in there thinking, oh, God, we're just going to get smoked. You know, because with the key of beating Mexico, you just hold them long enough for their own fans to turn on them, which happens all the time. You know, <laughs> or they get frustrated because they're, they get frustrated so easy, you know. You know, because they want to play, and and we always scrap, and our games are never super aesthetically pleasing. They're just not. That's just not the USA way. We battle. You know, this team, this game is actually. I mean, since we gave up that goal in that first minute, it's been all USA ever since. So, which is good. Well, I'm going to since we're now to we're now to Ryan seven o'clock seven thirty. That's right. It's eight thirty for you, or nine thirty. No, I don't know. I'm on West Coast time. Are you Central yeah. time? I am. Yeah, that's funny because I was in Nebraska a couple of weeks ago for a couple of weeks, and it took me forever to get used to Central time again. And I grew up in Nebraska, and I'm thinking I was watching the League's Cup, and I'm like, man, this game's on at nine o'clock. Why are you so late? <laughs> it was all I could do. Oh, to seven stay up. o'clock. Yeah, I'm well. Seven o'clock in Las Vegas, which was nine o'clock in Nebraska. Uh, oh, not yeah. yeah. So I'm like, oh, hey, mackerel, I'm I'm gonna have to drink some coffee to stay awake. <laughs> my dad uh, yeah. still hasn't. My dad still hasn't gotten used to the time difference in Santa Fe. Yeah. This man has lived in the Central Time. Or so he's in, in Mountain Time now, time. Santa Fe. Yeah. He's yeah. he's literally never been in Mountain Time except for seeing his sisters, ever. Yeah. So like it's been and when he's had to decide to do the different either way, it's been when I was in college and they were back east, or when we 
we were in Central Time calling my grandma. It hasn't yeah. been this far, so when he makes calls to us, because he likes to call us every so often, he forgets. Like, he will call, it'll be like 3 o'clock in the afternoon for him. Yeah. And he'll be so upset. He'll be freaked out that he's calling me at an early time. I'm like, I'm just sitting here with my phone on. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not exactly the end of the world. So. Yeah. I so used to do that. I'd do... call my friend, in, my cousin in Australia, and no, invariably would roust her out of bed. Her husband, hello. Oh, hot, sorry. Did I wake you? Yeah, it's like 3 o'clock in the morning. You woke me. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I see, I, I see that. Yeah, I, I'm fortunate. I'm like my father at night. I can go off, and I don't wake up whatsoever. I set my alarm, and I wake up before it, just to check to see if it's time to get up yet. <laughs> but my mom was the opposite way. A bee could sneeze in another state, and that woman, that woman was wide awake. Yeah. Wide awake. My dad, my dad dead to the world, it, we used to have to hop on my dad to get him up at, on Sundays for a good breakfast. And I'm a big, I've been, always been a big boy. I couldn't get him up. It had to take me, my sister, a dog, a cat, and an air horn sometimes. No, that I just think, you know, if I get up now, I can have coffee. And that's usually all the motivation I need. Oh, yeah. All right, yeah. Let's go have some coffee. Well, yeah. This has been fun, Ryan. Yeah. So we maybe the next time when we get something good happen. Let's hopefully it's not five years because no way in shit am I doing this when I'm forty five years old. That's just not going to happen. I think you might. You might because five years I'll only be sixty two. So and I'll just be retired. Uh, hopefully, knock on wood. So we could yeah, do man. like a twenty four hour uh, podcast. There you go. Yeah, you're not. Yeah, you're not, <laughs> yeah, you're not heading into your 60s. I still don't believe you're older than me. Hey, 62, going on 15. So mentally, yes, but physically, you don't work it. But anyway, no, it's been no. fun. We should get you back on eventually, sometime soon. So hopefully, one of the teams. Hopefully, there's something good happening down the road where we can get we can get the boys back on. Yeah, there you go. Did Ryan go walk about out there? Because I'm just here. No, he's still there. Yep, I am yeah, here. He's still here. I'm just watching the uh, ball trickle into the yeah, goal. Yeah, he's off watching the, the same. Oh, yeah, off, off the, the goalie, off the post. And, and yeah, the that was spin. Look at that. Ooh. Uh, I don't know who oh. was running on that. I think it was Aronson. He would have pounded that thing in anyway. So, yeah. I, I mean, in, in all fairness, the USA has looked really good in this game. So, uh, I like this lineup. I don't know why he decided to go crazy in Panama, but yeah, we're yeah. rehashing now, so we'll let, I'll yeah, let well, you guys... Which is, uh, all, which, is always, which is always fun, but either way, yeah. we're going to have to wrap this up because we're all rumbling, yeah. not mumbling, and I'm sure next week or in the next couple weeks we'll get we'll do another pod, and maybe I might even have to text Ryan again. Alright, cool. Sounds good. Works for me. Yep. Alright, talk to you guys later, folks. Alright, hey, take it. Bye.